from KPFK in Los Angeles, California, Valley Free Radio in Florence, and WMBR in Cambridge, Massachusetts, WNUC in Detroit, and BikeTalk.org worldwide. This is Bike Talk. Bike Talk. Hey, Seamus. Hey, Nick. Hey, Taylor. Hey, guys. You know, we started the show last week by talking about the death of Magnus White, the 17-year-old U.S. bike racer who was killed in Boulder, Colorado. I don't want this to be a regular thing of the show starting with tragedy, but I think we have to talk about another crash that killed Roy Weigand. Roy was a resident of Burbank, California, and he was on a 2,500-mile ride to raise money for the Navajo Nation water project. Roy was a trumpeter, and he he played with The Who and with Wayne Newton and Mel Torme. I mean, talk about a career. There's a guy who you know covered all different aspects of music, and he would often go on these long bike rides to raise money for projects. And he was riding at 1245 in the afternoon near the town of Prunedale, which I'm not quite sure where that is. And a driver in a truck turned into him and killed him. Our hearts go out to his family. He he had a family. And it's just waking me up all the more to how dangerous some of our roads are. I think shows like ours are trying to get to the idea that, you know, we have to do something about it. We have to have protected bike lanes. We have to wake up drivers that they are aware of bikes on the road. Bikes have the right to be on the road. We need our housing to be more oriented towards riding bikes to build in a way that considers everything from climate change to transportation. We could talk about the stairway bill that's making its way through the the state legislature. The California state legislature. What it does is it takes away the requirement that every building has to have two stairways. You know, it used to be a safety issue. You needed to have two exits in case of a fire. But now the building materials are much more fire resistant and they have much better sprinklers. And so that when you only have one stairway in an apartment building, you can actually build a smaller building, which allows you to have less investment to build that building, which means that you can build for lower and middle income people. That will mean more density and that will mean more transit and less car dependency and more biking. Exactly. A property owner can build above their store. And one of the principles of designing cities is you put transit along corridors where people live and work. You put jobs and housing close to transit. We call those commercial corridors so that you can actually build up along those streets, right? And that's anywhere. Density versus sprawl, right? Exactly. Also in the news, Long Beach, California is going to start an e-bike lending program. They're going to have 40 bikes They call it an e-bike library. They're going to have standard bikes, cargo bikes, trikes, and they're all going to be e-bikes so that people can borrow an e-bike for an afternoon and go to the store or just use an e-bike to go to work. And it's a great way for the city to get involved in getting people out of their cars. And I think you probably would find this in other places. Maybe it's just Long Beach. Long Beach has always been in front of the curve, actually, with uh, bike lanes and bike transit projects. Thanks for that. How about talking about some upcoming things that Bike Talk is doing? I might be uh, headed back to New York to go on a quick ride from New York City towards Albany. 
on the Western New England Greenway or Empire State Trail. Wow. Uh, I want to see the uh, the changing leaves. How many days would this be? I think I'd probably try to do like four or five days. Wow. You should drop by Massachusetts. It's on the way, right? Between New York City and Albany. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually right on the border with Albany. So that, that sounds a little bit like what I did in Michigan in yeah. the Leelanau Peninsula on the trail there, the Tart Trail, which we did an interview with that a couple of weeks ago. It's really a blast, Seamus. You're going to love it. Maybe if you make it as far as Vermont, you can visit the radio station where broadcasting at now, the Vermont Community Radio in Plainfield. Can I hit all those states in five days? Maybe if you had an e-bike. Actually, you're probably faster than an <laughs> e-bike. I'm not a particularly fast bike rider. And then Slow get... and steady wins the day, Seamus. Yeah. We'll be tabling at Ciclavia oh, yeah. on Sunday, August 20th. Ciclavia is this how would you describe it, Taylor? I'd say it's an open street festival, you know, where they close the road to cars, but open it up to people. And it's supposed to highlight this active transportation network in the city, the potential of it, right? So you have these streets shut down to cars for a day, and it fills up with everybody on bikes and rollerblades, e-bikes, walking. It's really a beautiful event. This one goes through um, one of the neighborhoods is called Koreatown in Los Angeles, which is one of the most densely populated neighborhoods in the city of Los Angeles. I think it's the second most densely populated. It's a part of the city that doesn't have a lot of park space. And so, you know, something like this will be a welcome event. Bike Talk is going to have a table with KPFK, our home station in LA. At Western. Western and Second, we'll have shirts. We'll be doing some interviews. Come by, everybody. I believe there are open streets events in a lot of places. Maybe we can get in touch with some of those too. So our first interview is with Anne-Marie Drolet, a mechanic. She's a Metro bike share worker. So we had a mechanic already once before named Lucas answer some questions. And now we have another mechanic. And I talked to her about gears. Any questions about gears? Well, I never know which way to turn those damn screws when you're trying to adjust your gears. So hopefully she talks about that. I don't even bother trying to understand that. I just ask somebody else to please look at my bike for me. Granted, there are some things you can't do where you have to go to Lucas or Anne-Marie Drolet, but there are two screws on the rear derailleur and they're limit screws. And what they do is they limit how far the chain can move toward the bike or away from the bike. That's what keeps the chain either from going into the spokes or off the end of the cassette. And the same is true with the front of the bike. On the derailleur, there are two little screws and they're limit screws. And they limit how far the derailleur moves toward the bike to go up to the small chain ring or away from the bike to go into the big chain ring. Thanks for breaking it down, Taylor. (laughs) Just don't let me work on your bike. Why? Sometimes I get stuck and I have to go down to the bike store at the end of my block. Fair enough. Well, I didn't ask Anne-Marie about, what do you call it, tuning your gears? Adjusting, fine-tuning, right. I asked her about ratios. Here's our bike mechanic segment. I'm with Anne-Marie Drolet, who is with Bicycle Transit Systems, which does Metro Bike Share in Los Angeles. And Anne-Marie is a mechanic for Metro Bike Share. Hi. Yep. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I thought I would ask you a mechanical question. Sure. Can you tell us about gear ratios and gears? and what a ratio is? Uh, Yeah, totally. Um, I actually love talking about gear ratios with people. I usually ride a fixed gear, so that topic comes up a lot. Um, So gear ratio basically tells you 
whether you're in a low or a high gear, um, it'll tell you like how spinny or how heavy it'll feel to pedal your bike. Um, and to be more technical, it tells you how many wheel rotations you will get from one rotation of the cranks. Um, so for example, a three to one ratio means one rotation of the cranks will give you three wheel rotations. And you get that by taking the count of the teeth on the front chain ring and you divide it by the number of teeth on the rear cog. So if you have a 45 tooth chain ring and a 15 tooth cog, you divide that, that'd be 45, 15 or three to one. So you would get three wheel rotations for each one rotation of the crank. And that would be a harder gear. Yeah, that would be a harder gear. Um, so you would want that more for flats or maybe for downhills or um, climbing. If it's really steep, you would want a two to one or a one to one ratio. What about like a fraction of a wheel turn? I guess like a really easy gear would have you turn the wheel just a little for a whole turn of the crank. Is that I wasn't good at math, so. <laughs> Yeah, if you, <laughs> um, I'm trying to like visualize it in my head while you're asking. <laughs> okay, what's the easiest gear? So the easiest gear I would say would be like one to one. So if you had 34 teeth in the front, 34 in the back on the cog, that would be super easy. It'd be very spinny. So if you were on a flat surface, you'd be spinning a lot, but you wouldn't be going very far. So it's great for hills. Can you get even easier than one to one, or is that the easiest? Uh, yeah, I guess I guess you could. <laughs> I guess I don't really ride with less than one-to-one -one very often because um, I'll usually use a, a fixed gear, as I said. So usually the easiest I'll go is a 48-20. So that would be, I think, 2.8 rotations per pedal spin. And that one's pretty easy to me. That one's great for climbing. But okay. yeah, it's also up to the individual as well. And the easiest gear of all, you're going really slow. Yeah, you'll be pedaling a lot <laughs> and you'll be going pretty slow. They call that the granny gear? <laughs> yeah, that is one of the nicknames for it, the granny gear. I guess you could just call it low gear. I I think a good way to remember it, like low versus high gear, low and slow. So yeah, um, okay. you could say I'm in my low gear, which isn't yeah. an exciting nickname, but so high gear is harder. Yeah. So I guess high gear would be a higher ratio. More more wheel rotations per crank rotation. So five to one. That would be five real wheel rotations per one crank rotation. Right. So if you can imagine that one crank rotation getting you really, really far on a flat, but it would be really hard to pedal. What's the highest gear then that you hear about people using? Oh gosh. I mean, you'll hear really high gear ratios for velodromes because they, uh, they want to go as fast as possible and you can get so much speed on that bank track. So like a 60, tooth chain ring and a i don't know a, a 14 tooth cog <laughs> that's super fast um and you wouldn't really see that on the road very much because it's such a heavy gear um hmm. and, you know and if you're riding around the streets <laughs> you don't want the heaviest gear because it's just hard on the legs but usually you'll see like on a road bike, uh, maybe a 54 or 53 tooth in the front um, and the smallest cog will be 11. So like 53 or 54, 11 would be the ratio, which is still pretty heavy. How many gears can you have? So usually when people say the number of gears, they're multiplying the number of chain rings by the number of 
cogs. So the chain rings are the rings in the front and then the cogs are in the back. So if you have two chain rings and then 11 cogs or 11 sprockets, that would be 22 gears, but usually you would just say an 11 speed. So you're just talking about the sprockets in the back, like how many are on the cassette. And how variable is that? Do they come in certain Mm -hmm. increments? I usually don't get that technical with my bikes. I know with a lot of racing bikes, you want to have smaller increments so that you can keep a steady cadence. You don't want big jumps between gears because that'll just kind of throw you off a little bit. But usually it'll be like 11 to 28 in the back and you'll have increments between that that are usually pretty small just to make it easy to shift. It seems like you would really wouldn't need 27 gears. I guess it depends on the kind of riding you like to do. So like a three speed is great if you're not on super varied terrain. I guess if you're super, super strong and big hills don't bother you, <laughs> then that's fine too. But yeah, three gears can be pretty limiting. Um, Cause yeah, you don't want those huge, huge jumps between shifting, even if you do want to get variability. So yeah, it depends on what riding you're doing. Of course, like everything, it depends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it always depends. <laughs> but gears, what level math is that? Is that calculus? I don't know if it would be quite calculus. You can get pretty math heavy with it. Gear ratio, that's a pretty simple equation. You know, you're just dividing the number of teeth in the front by the number in the back. But then to get gear inches is like the next level. So you would multiply that ratio by the diameter of the wheel that you're riding on. And that'll give you gear inches. So you'll hear people talking about their gear inches a lot. That number will give you um, another estimate of like how easy it is to pedal. And actually a cool thing about gear inches is that it tells you the diameter that your wheel would be if you were on a penny farthing. So it kind of dates back to when penny farthings were used. Yeah, it's kind of a cool little trivia thing that not everyone knows. Is that because the penny farthing is just the purest form of gears? I guess gear inches became the unit of measurement when penny farthings came out. And they came out before the safety bicycle came out, which is what bikes look like now. So penny farthings had that huge wheel because the bigger the wheel, the farther you could go with each rotation since the crank was directly attached to the front wheel. That's why the front wheel was so big. They didn't have gears. Right. They didn't have gears. (laughs) It was just one gear and one giant wheel. (laughs) Do you know the history of gears? Do they teach you that? Did you you go to mechanic school? I didn't go to mechanic school. I've definitely learned on on the job. (laughs) I wish I knew all the full history and I could explain all of it. But I know, uh, I know basics. Anything else that people could use some instruction about? How to shift and when to shift, especially for new riders, I would say, is if you're approaching a stoplight, you should shift into a slightly easier gear so that when you start going again, you're in an easier gear and it's easier to take off. Do they do that with cars too? Like you downshift? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I never drive. <laughs> <laughs> That would make sense if they did. All right. Well, Anne-Marie Drolet, thanks for coming on Bike Talk. And hopefully we can get listeners to submit more questions and we'll we'll send you them and you'll come on again. Great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Ratios is what, you know, geared bikes are all about. That's what the racers do all the time. They, they use different ratios for different, you know, races. If it's a big mountain, 
stage, they have a different ratio. And if it's a flat stage. Mm-hmm. And Marie Drolet was actually on the show a couple of months ago talking about the unionization of Metro Bike Share. And she's a, a member of the Transportation Workers Local 320. And they they talked about unionizing the Metro Bike Share workers so that we know that those bikes are taken care of properly. So, As a proud union member myself who's on strike. <laughs> you still biking the strike? Yeah, we've been biking the strike every Thursday. Uh, a group of writers and actors get together. This last Thursday was 101 days for the writer strike. So we did a, a metric century. Um, we went out and did 60 miles. It was really a great ride. We we started at Amazon, went to Sony, went to the beach, came back in, hit CBS, then went around Griffith Park in downtown LA and hit Warner Brothers and Disney and Universal wow. and amazing. came back in and got Netflix. It's an important time for us all to be together for workers' rights, I think. And to be on Bike the Strike, I think is wonderful. So if you want to join us on a Thursday, if you happen to be in Los Angeles, reach out to Bike the Strike. Seamus had to go. Seamus has a life. But we can uh, ask the listeners to submit questions for our next mechanic. Please do, because, uh, you know, working on your bike really is a treat. It really is fun. It's kind of meditative, you know, for me. Occasionally I do get stuck. And as I said before, I, I have a bike shop at the end of my streets called Spokes and Stuff. And I go down there and the manager of the store, Manny, is an excellent mechanic. And he he helps me out if I get stuck. But maybe we can help you out. If you get stuck. Yeah, we could be the bike store on your block, more like a bike co-op that helps you fix it because obviously we can't actually work on your bike. What's next? Kristen Sykes. Yeah, we got Kristen Sykes from Holyoke, Massachusetts, and she's a board member of Mass Bike and the Holyoke Bike Ped Committee. It's so wonderful to hear what's going on in Detroit and Holyoke and Oregon. And we, you know, we had some people on from Alabama a couple of months ago to really see that this is a national movement now to make our streets safe. Getting away from car dependence. Now we just need to get drivers on board, get people out of cars. Yeah. And so we have Lily Hoffman Strickler, who's a writer with the Mount Holyoke College newspaper, and she's a bike talk correspondent, interviewing Kristen Sykes. Perfect. My name is Kristen Sykes, and I live in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and I am presently the vice chair of the Holyoke uh, Bicycle and Pedestrian Committee. And um, I also serve on the Massachusetts Bicycle Coalition Board of Directors, and I'm a bike commuter and uh, love to ride my bike recreationally through uh, the beautiful parts of uh, the Connecticut River Valley in Western Massachusetts. Have there been any significant, you know, new biking or pedestrian infrastructure projects that the committee has helped to um, create or advocate for that you want to tell us about? Holyoke has a complete streets plan, um, and I believe it might have been one of the first in um, the Commonwealth. And, you know, basically it's a list of priority projects for um, bicycle and pedestrian safety and um, being able to get around. So there are several projects that uh, the city has been working on and the um, Bicycle and Pedestrian Committee have been working with them. There have been several places where um, there have been um, rapid flashing beacons installed. There's been um, improvements to curb cuts for sidewalks. There have been crosswalks. Um, and so there have been probably about a dozen or more of the last couple of years that have rolled out. Um, it's been kind of neat because uh, I actually live on a pretty busy street in Holyoke, and they did put in um, two rapid flashing beacons and speed tables, and then put in like lots of other signage. And it's right next to a park that has 
lots of folks using it, especially kids. Um, and so that's a pretty significant thing um, that the city has been able to do is to, um, you know, just put in things that uh, slow people down a little bit and make them more aware that um, people are going to be uh, biking and walking through the city. I go to Mount Holyoke, so my experiences, you know, driving through Holyoke have been seeing how bikeable the city really is, but there's a distinct lack of, of bikes. Um, so I think the work that you're doing is really important, uh, just making, you know, everyone feel a bit more safe um, and wanting to bike and walk more. This year, we were able to do a bike ride with um, Holyoke's mayor, Joshua Garcia. Right, yes. And um, so we did a bike ride that started at Rohan Park. Um, and then we biked all around downtown. Um, we really worked closely with um, several folks, including the Western Mass Chapter for um, All Bodies on Bikes and um, lots of other folks. And we biked by some really fantastic murals, including one that's downtown that's of a, a huge mother moose and a baby moose. And it's all made out of like found objects. Um, and many people hadn't been there before. And so there were probably a good... I would say 15 to 20 folks riding around, um, including the mayor. And um, we're really lucky to have Mayor Garcia because he's a planner. He, um, you know, worked for the Pioneer Valley Planning Commission. And he was also the um, the town manager for Blanford, um, Massachusetts. And so he really understands funding and, um, you know, being able to engage communities um, in the city. So, really terrific to have someone like him who's so inspirational and that he was game to like go for a bike ride with us and um you know we got a nice article and a reminder about it so um so that was really terrific and we hope to bike with him at future times uh, not just bike month but other times um and you know to work with the city on um, having more opportunities for people to get out because the more people see people biking then they bike themselves so Exactly. Um, and just going off, I, I heard you say you guys have collaborated with um, All Bodies on Bikes. Um, are there any like other interesting ongoing partnerships or collaborations that um, the committee has formed with other organizations or um, local government entities um, in order to help advance these goals um, that you want to point out? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um... Well, we have in the past uh, done work with Hubs, which um, is based out of the um, Holyoke YMCA um, and also worked with Rad Springfield. Um, And we also have uh, done work with Neighbor to Neighbor as well and also Holyoke Health. Um, I'm trying to think of others. Those are probably some of the most significant ones we've done. Um, We've done things like Um, you know, a bike breakfast downtown where we um, give out, you know, bagels and coffee and stuff like that. And we partnered with Holyoke Health. Um, We also um, have, uh, you know, given out uh, bike lights for um, Lights Brigade and other things at different um, city events. We participated in um, the walking school bus that um, Safe Routes to School does. And um, Safe Routes to School regularly attends our bike pad committees. Mm-hmm. Um, so we help, help help with some of those things. Um, obviously collaborated with uh, the Massachusetts Bicycle Coalition, uh, Friends of Northampton Trails. Um, and we have um, 
a really strong relationship with the city planning and economic department. Um, and so really work closely with them too. Um, they're, they're really fantastic and, um, help make us aware of opportunities for people to learn about the bike ped committee. Um, and so I'll just say one challenge as well. Um, and there are obviously some, uh, quite a few, is that many people don't know uh, that the Bicycle and Pedestrian Committee exists. We do have a page on the city's website. We have monthly meetings, although we took um, a little break this summer. So we meet typically the first Monday of the month at 6 p.m. The meetings are hybrid. The public is welcome to attend. And, um, you know, we would love to have more people learn about it. And, um more people that really reflect the communities that are in Holyoke participate um, in the bike pet committee because we know that lots of people walk and um, bike, whether it is to get to school or um, to work um, or also just uh, for recreation. So uh, part of it is actually just awareness for people to know that we exist and we're here to support them, um, you know, being able to bike and walk around the city. What has the public's reaction been to, um, you know, this increased bicycle advocacy? Have you seen any um, responses? Um, has there been any changes in attitude or support? Um, what have you What have you noticed? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, overall, uh, people are pretty excited to see uh, the changes, especially, you know, with the improvements to the you know, the rapid flashing beacons and the improved crosswalks in the city. Um, you know, I definitely in my neighborhood see a lot of people walking, including several folks with um, walking their dogs or their kids. Um, I see people, people using those rapid flashing beacons. We also have a speed counter that tells uh, people how fast they're going to. So I think that's been really helpful. Um, we have done, um, had put out an RFP to get, um, a uh, bike rack so like a artistic bike rack and we're working to increase the amount of uh, bike racks around the city because that is a, a major factor in people riding their bikes is that they have a safe place to park their bike when they say go to a restaurant downtown or you know go to school or go for a ride um and so i would say you know by and large when we um we did an event to announce the bike racks and we um met at a local uh, restaurant and uh, there were lots of people there and they were really appreciative and thankful. Um, and we also, um, we made t-shirts when we did our, um, one of our bike rides. So uh, just like being in town and wearing the bicycle and pedestrian committee t-shirt, uh, people will say, Oh, I didn't even know there was a bicycle and pedestrian committee. So I think overall um, people are appreciative and, you know, we know there's a lot of users on the road, whether they're bikes, cars, you know, walkers, etc. you know, using the sidewalks and that uh, all the work we're doing is not just to help uh, bikers and walkers, but also, um, you know, when folks are driving um, to just make sure that they're aware of the other folks that are using the road and um, that, you know, they can drive safely and also get around safely themselves too. I think that's a fantastic point to, to end the interview on. I think you've summed it up very well just in that sentence. You know, Galen Mook always says that all biking is local. Galen's our correspondent and the head of Massachusetts Bike Coalition. And on that note, we're going to stay local, but draw some global conclusions. We're going to go just down the road from Holyoke to the town of Northampton, which is the home of Smith College and has a great bike network. 
And we talk about making Northampton even more bike-friendly with Mayor Gina Louise Sierra and Director of Planning and Sustainability, Carolyn Mish. Also, Pedal People co-founder, Ruthie Woodring. Have you heard of Pedal People, Taylor? No, no, I haven't. But I dated a girl at Smith College when I was in college. Really? Yeah. It's a beautiful campus. Wow. So you've been there. Yeah. And she was a beautiful woman, as I remember. That's all the better. But uh, yeah, Northampton has its trash taken from the city trash cans and from a lot of private homes, residents' homes, by bike. There's a group called the Pedal People, and they haul these trailers around with people's trash, compost, and recycling. Oh, that's so, a great idea. Yeah. And trash yeah. trucks are so noisy. I bet I bet these bikes are a lot quieter. Yeah, it's very inspiring to watch these these people bike all these buckets of trash. <laughs> you know, you just want to cheer. And so Ruthie co-founded it and she co-hosted this interview. So here it is. I am Gina Louise Shara. I am the mayor of Northampton. I'm Carolyn Mish. I'm the director of planning and sustainability for the city of Northampton. Thank you both so much for making time today to talk about biking and biking in Northampton, bike related, bike ped related issues. For me, I've been here since 2002. I lived in Chicago before that and Eastern Kentucky before that. And this is the most bike-friendly place I've ever lived. How did we get to where we are now? Can you all talk a little bit about that? Well, first, can I say you deserve some credit for that as well because you've been someone who has been kind of a pioneer and pushed the city for years to be more bike and ped friendly. And so... Thank you to you and to the pedal people and for all that you've done. When people come to Northampton, they say, oh my gosh, you have this um, collection service that's on bicycles and that's really unique and and sort of perpetuates that sort of image, I think, of Northampton of being bike friendly and bike supporting. Mm -hmm. Do you want to go into the history? (laughs) If you go, you know, way back almost, I think, maybe 40 years now, the conversion of what we now refer to as the Mass Central Rail Trail from rails to trails. So that has sort of been the spine um, of our system. That has been the foundational inspiration maybe for infrastructure improvement. There's also been a sea change in all the support systems that help fund this infrastructure. So at MassDOT and other agencies that are instrumental in paying for improvements to help communities build the infrastructure and the way that those entities think about the transportation network I think has helped move us um, much more quickly, more recently. We're grateful for people who had vision, particularly at a time when I think we were still building communities with a car focus, right? And we were still building out neighborhoods um, that didn't have infrastructure for bike and ped. There's also a plan to have a certain percentage of the population within a a certain distance of a multi-use path. You know, we already have, you know, about 40% of the population within, I think it's about a half mile of a, of a shared use path. But we want to expand that. And one of the things that we're working on now is trying to sort of retrofit and reach those neighborhoods that were built in the time where we weren't thinking about uh, pedestrian and bicycle facilities. And so essentially now those neighborhoods are stuck, if you will, with only being able to access other places via car. So now we're looking at how do we expand it even away from the sort of more dense or urban core. All these neighborhoods are connected with a lot of asphalt, and so there's plenty of biking space. Mm -hmm. It's just not 
often designed to slow traffic, is often designed to facilitate motorized traffic. Any thoughts on how we can make the roads that we already do have more bike friendly? When we're redoing streets, we're trying to build in infrastructure that, that wasn't there before, you know, a dedicated bike lane or more space for bikes. I feel like Northampton is a contender for being a, a real bike city, like that's known as a bike city. Mm. Are you inspired by somebody like Anne Hidalgo, you know, being the mayor of Northampton, mm. who would transform into a bike city? There's a spine, but we also are trying to then expand out to other limbs and, um, and yeah, I know I might be, I might be torturing this a little bit, but, um, we were talking earlier about one Northampton or Northampton one that is, um, looking to have a path all the way around the perimeter of the city. So to circumnavigate the city. So, so maybe a spider web is better. I don't know that you would have something that goes around the city, but then all these ways to then kind of centralize and maybe then get to that rail trail. But that, you know, as we were saying, trying to connect to these neighborhoods that don't ha- that weren't built with that kind of idea in mind. So if we can create all of these sort of networks that finger out through the city and connect around towards the perimeter so that, you know, we are kind of our own controlled uh, network, but that then spreads out into other communities and that we, you know, we're all kind of one that can get to each other is, I think, the ultimate goal. But I think it's interesting because there's some people in the community that might not see the possibilities or understand that because they're more car-centric and we're having this conversation around Picture Main Street. There are some who have said, why do we need Mm -hmm. separated bike lanes on Main Street? We have this beautiful bike path that's around downtown. So what's the need? There, but there are very many others who understand and sort of think about it, and I love that um, spiderweb analogy because I think that really gives a good visual for how we can make those connections for people to be able to opt out of their car. And But one of the important things is when we're doing a big street redesign, we need to think about how does that connect to the spider web? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it? And is it not, it's not just about having one path. We didn't talk about Picture Main Street. Not yet. What's the picture? <laughs> <laughs> so Picture Main Street is a redesign of our Main Street that is a massive redesign of Main Street. So we have a very beautiful, but a very wide Main Street. MassDOT has identified it as a priority because of safety concerns. And we have identified it as a priority because this is a once in a hundred year opportunity to really take back some of that street and make it available for people. The design is going to have more trees. We'll have much more full tree canopy for people, wider sidewalks. We will take that outdoor dining that we've, we've used some parking for now and we will solidify it onto sidewalks and, and just have more space for people, have more places for people to sit and be and just use that space in a different way. We have bike lanes that are built into these designs. So as Carolyn was saying, yes, the bike path is near Main Street, but we know that there are a lot of people who bike directly to Main and or go th- or this is how they travel is is down Main Street. So we're incorporating bike lanes into both sides so that there's a safe way to, to travel through Main Street by bike as well. And and there's a lot of research about bikes and business that goes against a lot of people's intuitions about, you know, only people in cars pay for things. 
But you say it's a once in how long opportunity? I've seen images from well over 100 years ago that look really very close to what we have now. So there's not been any real significant change to Main Street in over 100 years. And so for me as mayor, it's really important to take charge of this opportunity. I'm making decisions that will impact generations to come. And so I want to make really smart decisions that are for people. Cars are changing. How we use cars is changing. We know what cars have done to our world. So it's really important to me that we make good choices and we don't just recommit to what there has been there because it's what we know, but we have to be forward thinking about it. And we didn't have cars and we didn't have faster and faster and faster cars a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about changing the infrastructure, but also thinking about what downtown is for the community and the economy. All of this costs a lot of money. So if you're going to make a change, it's going to be a lot of money. So you're not going to want to, in 10 years, tweak it a little bit more and a little bit more. So you have one shot for a while. (laughs) This has been in the works for how many years now? (laughs) Was the first a glimmer? Uh, Yeah, I mean, so this conversation started, you know, maybe early 2000s. Over time, we sort of analyzed what could be done with Main Street. Really, that sort of pushed into more detailed designs as we came through the 2010 to 2020. And then in 2018, we started this TIP, the Transportation Improvement Program project, based very much on the fact that there are, um, unfortunately, there are very high rates of crash incidences on Main Street. And so it registers very high for dangerous intersections, dangerous conflict points. So when I think about barriers to Northampton being a less car-centric place, um, there's the physical barriers like, well, when I say physical, I mean the street design barriers and safety and perceived safety. There's also the whole economy, all those power, people in power. It's like, how much can the city do changing street designs and making it more appealing for people to bike when you've got this whole there, yes, of course there is. There's just this global industry behind that. But I feel like the earth is sending us the message that we have to change and we have to live our lives in a different way. Otherwise, we won't be here any longer on this planet. So maybe it takes that kind of wake-up call. But um, yes, there is still massive industry. But um, I think a lot more people are, are recognizing that uh, we have to make big changes across the board, even just locally in our own homes and our lives. I think it's important to create these opportunities for people to feel like they're not forced to be in their car. That choice will still be there and as a capitalist you know, society, people will want to continue to have choice about how they move around. The issue will be, is it a gas or electric car? Even electric cars have carbon impacts and extractive technology, awful things you know, happening. We also have an economy in Western Mass that doesn't allow people to have jobs where they live, and they have to go far afield for work. Affordable housing. And affordable housing. Exactly. And public transportation. And the public transportation doesn't connect Mm -hmm. those dots either. And and we're a low-density region relative to other regions, so we can't have the mass transit. The car will still be with us, but it's really important to make sure that we're creating opportunities for people not to use the car Mm -hmm. to the extent that we can. 
That was great, Nick. Did I mention that I dated a girl from Smith College? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's great too. So it was really cool talking to Mayor Ciara and they are bike people. They're they're livability people. They mentioned their project, Picture Main Street, which will take away some parking, like 18% of parking spaces and give it to people on bikes and pedestrians. And this has caused people to be furious. Like you have business owners fighting it, you know, the loss of their parking spaces in front of their stores, which is amazing. I mean, I get that not everybody believes that climate change is real, but I think a but lot of Maui people- Maui is burning, right? Yeah. And Vermont is flooding. And a lot of the people who oppose taking away a few parking spaces probably would not call themselves climate change deniers, right. but they don't make a connection you know, between reducing the dependence on cars and doing something about climate change. Right. This goes back to that interview we did with Henry Grabar and Paved Paradise and how parking explains the world. You know, there are six parking places for every car in the city of Los Angeles, which means it's the same in every city. So taking away 18% of the parking on one street is nominal. It's nothing, yet it opens the road up for people who choose to get to your store by another means. Yeah. It's something that happens over and over. You cannot have a road diet. You can't calm traffic. You can't make streets safer without waking up this dragon of right. this parking dragon. So we're going to reach out to uh, Jeff Speck, who wrote Walkable. Was it Walkable City? Yeah, yeah. Jeff is great. He also tweets a ton or, or X's a ton. What do we call it? I don't, uh, I'm not, and, I but he's just a real leader in the field. Yeah, we're going to talk to him. Great. So coming up, we have Pablo Lebedensky, who's a Buenos Aires blogger and writer. I saw an article he wrote about how bikes are a tool for pacifism. And I got in touch with him. Great. He, he talked about biking in Buenos Aires. And here it is. I used a car, I used a car when I had to do a, a long trip where I don't have any other any other way of transport. I told people that they need to try to move around in another way. There are many other ways of transport that people can use. It's not only the car that is a sign of progress. That's another thing. Culturally, people understand and include myself because I, I have been educated uh, thinking that the car is a sign of progress. A sign of status, high status. I am 53 years old. A couple of years ago, I understand that that's not really true. Car is not really necessary in the city to move around. To have a car is a privilege, not a right. We have the right to move, but not to have a car. That's another message we need to give to society. I don't share people. Uh, going around, uh, shouting, fighting, uh, breaking uh, things uh, to show themselves that they are doing something. But we need to build up uh, respect between us and empathy. If we share the role with respect and empathy, things can be changed significantly. How do you see us doing this? I think one way is just for more people to be on bikes and then it just automatically will happen with the culture. I have a car. Uh, people have a car. A lot of people have a car. Pe people think that uh, a person in, on a bike doesn't drive a car. That is a mistake. We use the car when, when it is necessary. 
what we're trying to say is don't use a car if you don't need to do that. Many people use the car every time just to go shopping uh, three, four, five blocks uh, away from, from home. No? Just walk, just uh, use a bike. People now don't, don't understand. I, I really, it's, it's very difficult to understand some, some people or to use another way of transport. It's hard to convince people to move around in another way. Uh, but uh, yes, we need to build cities that permits people to use bicycle more and to walk more. The car is getting obsolete. Cities are saturated or big cities no? are saturated, of course. The cars are the traffic, uh, not the bicycles, not the people walking, not the public transport. The cars are the traffic. And if you use the car, you are the problem. The solution is, is, is to use another way of transport, another efficient way of transport. Public transport, bicycle, walking are the way that people need to move around the cities. They don't contaminate the air. They don't do a high level of noise. They are more efficient in a car that are normally, as an average, 1.2 persons transported in eight square meters area. No? You have a bus, for example, that is 20 square meters that transport about 50 people. A bicycle is for one person, but uh, you move around easily and efficiently and uh, more quicker sometimes. I win everybody because uh, really it is fast and easy to move around in bicycle against uh, what you can do on a car. What's it like in Buenos Aires for bikes, for, for non-car transportation? We have uh, 15 people dying every day in Argentina, uh, which is a lot because of road violence. This number is not tending to go down. This is really a problem for us. And uh, we are trying to talk to governments about what is happening with transport and mobility and what uh, they have to do about road safety, no? which is a, a really a serious problem that they are not taking into attention uh, nowadays in, in our country and in our city. But uh, particularly in Buenos Aires, uh, in the last 10 years, they try to work out a lot of uh, uh, actions to promote the use of bicycles, uh, creating a, a net of uh, bike lanes, which is very important, and I celebrate that. We normally discuss design of the bike lanes. Probably they are not the best, but uh, they permitted a lot of people to start using the bicycle which is very important. After the pandemic, a lot of people started using the bicycle. The trips in bicycles uh, increased a lot in the last two or three years. It's getting better. We are convinced that Buenos Aires could be a, a cyclist uh, city in the future years, but uh, there are a lot of things to do. And we are here to cooperate with governments and try to, to work together. No? because the activism and the users of the bicycles are an important tool uh, for the governments to, to build up a better mobility. And this is that something governments are not uh, taking into account seriously. Are you, as a bike activist, do you have 
allies? Are you organized with with other bike activists? There are many people that uh, that make bike activism in Buenos Aires and try to in social networks and and in television, radio, trying to fight to try to work with governments seriously about uh, mobility and active mobility, especially, you know, walking and cycling are the, the, the most important things we need to improve in the city. There are many people that, that do activism in Buenos Aires. We are not quite organized in an association or something that can join all the activists in, in the city, but we, we're trying to, to move around as good as we can. Huh? We will look for you on Twitter where you're, well, X, are you going to stay there? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, and Medium. And I see you have a lot of articles on Medium about walking, biking, cars. Is that your main topic? Uh, no, I, I have a blog, which is pablolevedinsky.com. I write in Spanish, but you can see a lot of uh, articles there uh, talking about bicycle, walking, road safety. It's, it's a place for me to write uh, about things I, I am interested uh, to, no? Keep up the good work, Pablo, and let's keep in touch. Yes, of course. I, I really thank you the, for the invitation. Everything you need uh, to talk about bicycles, well, I'm here. So you can, you can talk to me. What's new? Buenos Aires. Bam, bam. Ba-da-dam, ba-da-ba-dam, bam, bam. We'll put on a show. Wow, did you just make that up? No, that's a Vida. Andrew Lloyd Webber, <laughs> Patty Lapone. What's new? Buenos Aires. I'm new. I want to say I'm just a little stuck on you. You'll be on me too. I got out here. Buenos Aires. Stand back. You want to know what you're going to get at me. Just a little touch of star quality. You know, Nick, it's the same everywhere. All biking is local. We are all connected by the same ideas about mobility. Buenos Aires, Northampton, Holyoke, LA, Detroit, Vermont, it's all the same. Drivability versus livability. Yeah, it seems with all the extreme weather and everything, people would be ashamed to argue for more parking instead of active transportation. I see all these cars on the road and I wonder where where is everybody going? And do they really need to drive the car there? Do you really need to spend a gallon of gas to buy a gallon of milk? And listen, people have to drive sometimes. And cars are great. I love cars. I grew up in Michigan. They're comfortable. They're dry. They're warm. They're cool in the hot weather. They have great sound systems. You can make out in a car with a girl from Smith College. <laughs> but you don't have to use a car for every single trip. Yeah. And that's what we talk about every episode. Yeah. Well, thank you to the station's that are airing Bike Talk in Los Angeles, Detroit, Vermont, Western Massachusetts. You can donate to our site at biketalk.org to support Bike Talk and the interviews we're going to do in the future and the interviews we've done in the past. We're going to have Jeff Speck on hopefully soon. Send us your questions for mechanics and give us your feedback at biketalk.org. You want to take us out with a quote? I do. <laughs> Since uh, we were talking so much about Smith College, I want to do a quote by Bob Weir of The Grateful Dead. Bicycles are almost as good as guitars for meeting girls. And on that note, we're going to wrap up. But first, you took a little trip to the end of your block. And
and talk to your mechanic. So we've been talking on the show about how much fun it is to fix your own bike. And I, I've gotten to be a decent little mechanic. But whenever I get stuck, I go down to the end of my block to a bike shop called Spokes and Stuff. And the manager there is Manny Alvarado. And Manny can fix just about anything, if not anything. Manny, welcome to Bike Talk. What are the most common things that people don't do to keep their bike in shape? Cleaning the bike, putting oil on the chain. Those are the most common things that people got to do in order to keep functioning the uh, dry train. If there is no oil, they start dying or truing your wheels. Make sure your wheels are true so that way your, your brakes going to work properly. Check your brake pads sometimes. Make sure they are not wear out. When you notice your lever start getting close to your grips or close to your handlebar, that means it's a time to replace the brake pads. Before you damage the rim, you know, start grabbing the metal to metal and then you damage it. Make sure your tires have the proper uh, air pressure on it. Because right. if you don't have the air pressure on it, what happens is whatever you drive, you can find a pack hole or a curve, and that's easy way to get a flat. You can damage your ring, you can bend it or anything. What's your bike joy? I like the freedom. I drive my bike and I enjoy it because it keeps me uh, healthy. It's like you, you know, we, we already done a couple rides together and we know what it is to have the bike. Driving in a car, you know, you gotta spend money on gas, you gotta spend time finding a parking. It's a lot of things that you have to spend driving. And plus the attitude of driving because when it's too traffic, it's too heavy, you can go nowhere. On the bike, you can go easily anywhere and you save money. On gas, you save money on everything. I know you're gonna get sweat and that, but a little shower at home when you got home is fine. Yeah, thanks a lot for being on Bike Talk. That's Manny Alvarado from Spokes and Stuff in Los Angeles. And right now, Manny was telling me that this week, the big thing is everybody's getting their bikes ready for Burning Man. I'm standing here with Vess. And Vess, you're going to Burning Man? I am, I am. This will be my sixth burn. Wow. And what do you do at Burning Man besides ride bikes? I mean, there's a lot of bike riding around, but, you know, it's a full city. There's You can do almost anything there. It's a... Uh, 75,000 people. There's a little something for everybody if you can handle the heat and the dust. Right. And everybody rides bikes out here, right? Yep. Bikes or art cars. Those are the only modes of transportation. Art cars? What's that? Uh, any vehicle that is that is mutant enough where it no longer looks like a vehicle can be driven very slowly throughout. Yeah. So what is Manny doing to your bike? Um, it needs definitely a new chain. Inner tubes. Inner tubes. Yeah. Possibly new grips. Maybe new grips. Probably needs some oil here and there. Yeah, a little bit of oil looks like. It's kind. Of, it's just been sitting behind my garage for the past right. three years, so <laughs> it's it's about time it had a had a. Maybe some new tires. I'm sure he'll sort <laughs> me out. <laughs> well, you got to get your bike out from behind the garage when you're in town here and ride it around town, not just at Burning Man. I have a different bike for riding around. Oh, town, okay, good. But... Have a blast in Burning Man. Thanks so much. And that was Bike Talk. If you have a story, a tip, or a topic, head over to biketalk.org and send us a message. Talk again next week.